It's Something for Nothing, the Rush Fancast. Steve and Jerry with you. Hey, Jer, what's up? Oh, not much, Steve. What's up with you? Well, what's up is we're going to talk about another live album, three in a row. I know. Today on Something for Nothing. Isn't that great? It is great. So we talked about Exit Stage Left first, and we love that so much that we decided to go back and talk about All the World's a Stage. Yep. And now we're going to go the other way. Forward. A show of hands. Yep. One of my favorites. Really love this album. Yeah, you know, we'll get into it when we start talking about it. But yeah, I also enjoy it. You can find us on Twitter at RushFanCast. Instagram, we are the RushCast. Jerry puts up lots of cool pictures. Check it out. Email Jerry, therushcast at gmail.com. Tell him what you think of the podcast, what we should do next, who we should speak to, what we should talk about. We need your ideas because we're running out of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not. I'm kidding. Yeah, don't give away our game plan. (laughs) (laughs) Or lack of game plan. Anyway, I've got a Twitter poll for you, Jer. Okay. A few weeks ago, we talked about Grace Under Pressure. Mm Mm-hmm. I asked our Twitter Rush fans what their favorite song on side two of Grace Under Pressure is. The choices were The Body Electric, Kid Gloves, Red Lenses, and Between the Wheels. What say you? Mm -hmm. The Body Electric. Nope. Should I guess again? Please. Between the Wheels. Yes. Really? Between the Wheels won in a landslide. Wow. So unlike side one, which was very close, between the wheels, 56%. Jeez. How about that? That's a landslide, all right. Yeah. Kid Gloves came in second, 20%. The Body Electric, 17%. And poor little old red lenses. I love red lenses. (laughs) (laughs) Poor little old red lenses. (laughs) 6%. I mean, that's that's not good. Yeah. Red lenses should... Hang its head in shame, I guess. (laughs) Poor little old red lenses. So, Jerry, you got an email for us. I do. Nice. This is is from Michael. Hey, Michael. Or Mike. I guess he signed it Mike. His his email address is Michael, but his sign-off was Mike. So let's go with Mike. All right. He says, I've listened to a few Rush podcasts over the years, and they have been entertaining, but most have never gotten beyond a certain level. When I found your cast... I was instantly struck by the passion of your fanhood, the quality of the content, and the level of easy camaraderie that can only come from two decade-long friends trading banter over the music they love. After I had consumed a few episodes, I started to look ahead and was startled by the variety and quality of the guests you have managed to have on the show. Huge names from all over the Rush landscape. How have you managed this? That's a great question, right? I have no idea. I have no idea. I have been hastily catching up these last few months, mostly over daily pandemic exercise dog walks, as you started to catch up to my favorite era of rush. Signals and grace under pressure are right in my sweet spot, and I have enjoyed the journey immensely. Thanks so much for providing a daily distraction to look forward to. Sharing about rush has always been a passion of mine as well. On the R40 tour, I hatched a plan to get four couples to travel to St. Louis to see their show as it was close to my hometown of Chicago. That's where I took the kids. There were varying degrees of knowledge of the band and its music in the group, but they were all up for a fun road trip. Of course, to all my friends, I am known as the obsessive Rush guy, but I normally don't try to push my fandom on others unless there is an interest expressed. However, in this case, I broke that rule and took it upon myself to try to educate the group about the band and concert they were about to go see. I noticed that there were exactly 80 days leading up to the show. So I started a daily email blast called Around the World of Rush in 80 Days. Sending these daily notes with little facts about the band and a song lyric was a great way to build anticipation, not only for the group, but for myself as well. Attached is the spreadsheet I use to collect all of these fun Rush facts. I am forwarding it to you in case you have any interest in taking a look or leveraging any of the content. Wow. Yeah. So there's one more line left, but he sent me this thing and I asked him if I could send it out in our weekly email blast to people. And what did he say? He said, sure. You, you got it. <laughs> You've got to see. I can't wait for people to read this. This thing is amazing. 
Maybe we shouldn't send it out, though. We were just saying we're running out of ideas. Maybe we just use that for all the ideas. <laughs> we just read it. <laughs> <laughs> One podcast each about every entry. There you go. Around We could call it 80 weeks, though, instead of 80 days. Yeah, 80 weeks. <laughs> it's almost two years. I've been getting to know you guys through your podcast. We all know that Hardcore Rush fans are the best people, and you are further proving the point. We all get it. Cheers and happy holidays, Mike. Wow, that was such a great email. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, I can't wait for people to read this spreadsheet. It's only something that a, a diehard Rush fan would do because this thing is just amazing. It's amazing. Well, that's cool. That's cool that you're going to send it out. And, yeah, you know, he said he touched on something that, that I was thinking about the other day. It's not, we haven't been friends for a decade, Jerry. We've been friends for four decades. I know. How crazy is that? It's, it's, it's crazy. I think we need a break from each other. <laughs> do you, seriously, do you think there are any other podcasts where the two hosts have known each other for 40 years? No. I, I mean, I don't know. There could, maybe. There, I mean, there could be, but how many could there be? I don't know. Octogenarian podcast? <laughs> you know, when we finish this up, that's what we should do. The octogenarian, octogenarian podcast. podcast. We have a, a 30 years to go. Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> uh, we're going off the rails here. Yeah, we'll be back in 30 years. <laughs> back on the rails, a show of hands, Jer. Rush's third live album, released January 3rd, 1989. I was 19 years old. You were about to turn 20. Wow. How about that? That's a long time ago, Steve. It's a long time ago. Certified gold in the United States, certified platinum in Canada. No singles. No singles. No singles from a show of hands. Wow. And Rush did not tour to support a show of hands. The first time they released a live album, they did not tour to support it. Hmm. I wonder why. Well, I think it was getting to the point where they wanted to take a break. You think? Yeah. And this, <laughs> now, I looked at Wandering the Face of the Earth, Skip and Eric's book, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. They did not play any shows in the year 1989. And that was the first year since their inception that they did not play a show in a calendar year. Wow. How about that? When was, do you remember, did you look up when the next show that they did? It was early 1990. I think something like 14 months or something like that in between shows. That's a long time for them. Yeah, it was a long time for them. And the album filled all but 12 seconds of the allotted time on the CD. Wow. So they did not have to leave any tracks off this time. So they didn't have something like uh, a new world man to throw in 12 seconds worth of content that they could just come up with. No, I think they were, they were okay with losing 12 seconds. <laughs> and there was a DVD released in 2006 with the same name. And just like exit stage left, it was not the same performance. Really? How come I didn't hear about that? I don't know, but I didn't even realize I have it. Oh, I have the DVD. I didn't buy it when it came out, but it, it came out in a box set DVD called replay. Oh, okay. So you see this? So it's rush replay times three. Yes. So it's got exit stage left, which I watched a few weeks ago. Grace under pressure tour, a show of hands and the grace under pressure tour soundtrack CD. Oh, nice. You know, one thing we forgot to do last week was talk about the artwork for all the world's a stage. Yeah, that's true. Now it wasn't uh, a spectacular album cover. It was just a picture of the drum set on the stage. Good old chromie. Good old chromie. Which is up for sale. Is it really? Yeah. It's being auctioned off. The Slingerlands? Yeah. Wow. I think I, I think I read that they're expecting it to fetch a hundred thousand dollars. Maybe if we pull our money together, we can come up with a thousand. Absolutely. <laughs> We can each, if all of us Rush fans pull our money together, we can each get like a, maybe like a, a nut or a bolt off the, off the drum set each. So the artwork for a show of hands, Jer, it's pretty cool. It's animation type, very eighties. It's a very eighties illustration. Yeah. I was looking at Hugh Symes book, the art of Rush. He said these were abstract characters rendered in analog mode. Okay. And the lettering was, was done in the traditional way, tip of brush on watercolor paper. So the, the font. Oh, okay. 
there was done with a with a brush. That's cool. Which I think is kind of cool. And the characters are very Picasso-like, don't you think? Sort of? Yeah, I was looking for the word, but yeah, they're Picasso-like. Picasso-esque? Picasso-esque. I think it's the type of thing I'd like to hang on my wall. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Are you, are you uh, hinting at a Christmas gift, Steve? Sure, sure. And the characters were used in the video. <laughs> as, as we get into the, the album itself, the first track is just simply called Intro. And it's their Three Stooges, Three Blind Mice kind of intro. And there was a video mm-hmm. of these characters dropping down onto the stage. I don't know if you remember that. I do not. But the characters from A Show of Hands were in the video. And this was from the Hold Your Fire okay. tour. So they were using these characters in the video, and then they took those characters and put them on a Show of Hands album. I might have been so overwhelmed seeing them on the Hold Your Fire tour because we had really good seats, and I probably wasn't paying attention to anything else going around me, just probably just looking at them. When those videos were played at the beginning of shows, it's kind of a blur for me because I was just so pumped for Rush coming onto the stage. I didn't care if they were playing, you know, South Park or whatever they were doing. I just wanted to see Rush and I was going bananas. Yeah, that's true. You always did go bananas. I did. So before we get into the album itself, I've got a couple of quotes as I usually do, Jer. This is from Martin's Limelight Rush in the 80s book. He has a chapter on a show of hands. And Getty says, a show of hands to me is a very fine album. Despite the computer-born challenges. That style of recording a live album, basically taking a handful of shows and choosing the best you got, is a very good representation of that kind of live album. In terms of the construction of it, I think it was down to Paul Northfield and myself mostly. I mean, that's what I like about it. Actually, you know, if you have another quote, let's hear it. So this is from Kerrang! Magazine, Jer. Oh, good old Kerrang! We keep going back to Kerrang! Magazine. CygnusX1.net posted this. Neil Peart. We set ourselves such high standards that a perfect show is impossible. We operate amidst utter chaos on stage, trying to keep everything running smoothly. The presence of those extra microphones recording our performance means we normally just freeze up when the tapes start to roll. We end up playing for the tape and not for the audience. But at Birmingham, the film crew forced us to ignore the microphones and play to the audience as we should do, as we normally do. So we got that certain feeling back. The film crew actually gave us more than they took away. It was great. We normally only get, say, six shows every tour that make it like that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Never thought about that. It kind of distresses me to hear that a perfect show is impossible because (laughs) we're so good. So good. Yeah, but we don't notice all those little things that the band probably notices, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And this is from Rush.com. Getty talks about the complexities of Rush's studio recordings being recreated live, the samples of the songs that Getty would trigger. He said, it's very important for me to do that and not somebody else, meaning trigger the samples. It's a fine line, but I still have to be in the right place at the right time. If I hit a sequencer late, it's my fault. That way I'm still in control and my organization and rhythm have to be impeccable. Now, that's something I didn't know, that Getty was firing everything himself. That had to be so hard. As opposed to them being like on a timer or something? Yeah. Or somebody else doing them? Somebody else or a timer or or something. I mean, if if he had to do all of that himself, play the bass, play the keyboards, and fire off all those samples? Right. How hard must that have been? Um, I'm going to say very. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it's... But you remember him back then. He was just parked behind those those keyboards. Yeah. With the pedals and everything. I mean, it's nuts. And this album is pretty much right in the center of that spot where Getty had all that work to do. After Power Windows, after yeah. Hold Your Fire, after Grace Under Pressure, before they went back to more straight guitar, bass, drum stuff. Yeah. This was Sample Town. Sample Town. <laughs> <laughs> like flavor town right not that it was bad it's just a lot for getty to do yeah and a lot less jumping around the stage yeah thankfully he got back jumping around the stage though yeah 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 
So why don't we get into the tracks? Um, I mentioned the first track. Why don't we play a little bit of that? The the uh, Three Stooges, Three Blind Mice intro kind of thing. So do you remember it now, Jared? Now that you hear it, do you remember being at the show, hearing hearing that and anticipating Rush coming to the stage? Yeah, absolutely. I don't remember the visual, but I do remember the three blind mice thing, which is just which is just really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were, kind of refer to themselves as the three stooges or the three blind mice. Rush's sense of humor coming through as always. Yep. So we go to track two which is the first song or tune, as we like to say on the show of hands, The Big Money. Before we start talking about big money, I just want to say that I think, I know that I said before when we did the other two live albums, that I think I was leaning more toward All the World's a Stage as being better. Did I, I can't remember what I said. Do you remember? We were talking about Exit Stage Left and whether All the World's a Stage or A Show of Hands was just as good or better. Right. And I said, I liked A Show of Hands better than All the World's a Stage. And you said you liked All the World's a Stage better than a show of hands. Yeah, I've changed my mind. I was going to ask you that because after listening to this, I'm thinking, how can he think that? Yeah, I hadn't listened to this album in a long time. Don't know why, but this album is amazing. Everything about this album is amazing. It's unbelievable. And I remember it a little differently. It's it's interesting because before we did this, I wanted to listen to my CD, Mm -hmm. but I don't have a CD player in my house anymore. Right. And I don't have a CD player in my car anymore. So I couldn't listen to the CD. I had to listen to it on Spotify. Yeah, so did I. And I think the Spotify version is a remaster. Oh. I'm almost positive that it's a remaster. And I don't have the remaster. I bought this in 1989 when I was 19 years old, this CD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the remaster. What you listen to and what I listen to is way better than what's on this CD. Way better. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. That's totally it. This sounds, this, the thing I like about it is the first two live albums, the best of the first two live albums, right? It's set up like an actual concert mm-hmm. as opposed to discrete, discrete songs. Right. But it has a, it actually has a better sound than all the world to stage for me. The sound is more akin to exit stage left, which is the kind of sound I like, but what I don't necessarily like all that much about exit stage left is the fact that they're individual songs and it doesn't flow like a, like a actual concert. Right. Well, this is, there's a little bit of that here too, because this is taken from, I think four or five different shows and pieced together. Right. But it's presented as one show. It's presented as one show and presented in the order that the songs were performed at the show. Yes. That's what I like about it. Yeah. And, and it's great. I mean, the sound is way better than I remember way better. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people like us haven't listened to this lately. And don't realize how great it is. I, I wasn't shocked because, I mean, I know how, how great Rush is, but I, I was pleasantly surprised listening to it, how great it sounded. And I just don't remember it sounding that great. So you're probably right. It was probably remastered somewhere along the way. Oh, it definitely, well, it definitely was. It definitely was remastered. And that's why, that's why what you heard was just outstanding. Yeah. So now do you put this ahead of Exit Stage Left as well? That's a, that's a hard one to say. It's close. It's very, very close, but I think, I think exit stage left is first, but I put this before all the world's stage now. Yeah. Well, and I had done that before I even heard this version and now forget about it. Yeah. It's very close though. So this particular track, the big money was recorded in Birmingham, England on the hold your fire tour in 1988. And, um, this version is just fantastic. The thing that really jumped out at me is. Getty's bass, the sound, the tone. It's 
burpy. You know what I mean? It has like this kind of, I don't know, like bubbling up sound mm-hmm. sometimes. It's amazing. And I love the bridge solo part. We always talk about this, the solo sections of all these songs and the big money is one of those ones you forget about yeah. where all three of them are just going to town and it's, it's yeah. just fantastic. You know, I came up with something. So I was listening back to our first two live, you know, when we talked about the first two live albums mm-hmm. and we had, we always struggle to come up with words to describe Alex's solo, right? We just say it's great. We just say it's great. It's amazing. So, uh, I went to thesaurus.com and <laughs> I put in some words like amazing and great and, and whatever. And I have in this little cup. Oh, you're just going to pull one out? Little pieces of paper. Oh, nice. 80 adjectives that are synonyms for all of those things. So you want. All right, great. What was this solo? This solo is bravura. A show of daring or brilliance. I agree with that. All right. I cannot argue with that. <laughs> Let's move on to track three on the show of hands. It's a good one, Jar. Subdivisions. This one's also from that Birmingham show in 1988. And the crowd reaction at the beginning, again, we talked about this on Exit Stage Left, when they realize Rush is playing subdivisions. Yep. The crowd goes crazy, and I love that. Yeah. This version is way faster than the studio version, did you think? I thought so, yeah. Definitely. And I also think it's... It might be better than the studio version. <laughs> I, I know I keep saying that. Is that is that crazy to think? No. It's yeah, it's amazing. What I like about this song in particular, I think, has a great balance of all the different elements. Mm-hmm. Right? Crowd, you can hear the crowd, but you can hear um, you know, each instrument clearly and oh boy, so good. Again, it makes me wonder why I haven't listened to these live albums in so long. What what is wrong with me? Well, that's an open question, Steve. <laughs> I can't answer that question, especially not now. And I think on this particular track, Getty's keyboard playing, you see how it's progressed in just a few short years. It's so much better, so nuanced. It's just great. He's just doing stuff here that he wasn't doing on the record when and when that was recorded. I mean, Getty was a, you know, just starting playing keyboards. Right. And he's so much better on this. And, you know, of yeah. course he would be because it was, what, eight years later. And he's Getty Lee. And he's Getty Lee. And, <laughs> and he's firing off samples and he's playing his bass and he's playing keyboards. He's doing everything. Right. He's rubbing his head and patting his stomach. He probably is. <laughs> I bet he can do it. Look, if anybody can do that, Getty can do it. He has to be able to. Right, exactly. So let's move on to track four, Jer. On a show of hands, it's Marathon. Again, also from the Birmingham, England show, another fantastic version. And this one, I think, is a little slower than on the record. What do you think? I don't know. I didn't notice it being slower. I was just amazed by the atmosphere that Alex creates on this song. Mm-hmm. It's just so amazing because he's, he's not, you know, it's, it's not riff driven, at least guitar riff driven. 
but he's just all over the place doing these crazy, they seem crazy, right? The way he's just playing throughout mm-hmm. this song. Should I pick up another? Pull out another solo thing out of the hat there. Solo description. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was flabbergasting, Steve. Wow. It was. <laughs> it really was. It was. But what's also flabbergasting is what you just said. Now, we always talk about how Alex had to find his space during this time of rush. Mm-hmm. And he does that on the albums, but live, he's really finding his space. He's learning as he goes along. And as these shows progress, he's filling that space just brilliantly. Yeah. Flabbergastingly. <laughs> Flabbergastingly. <laughs> Is that a word? Yeah. And I like the ending. It's got a cool ending. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Getty's bass tone, like you said, on the big money is also great on this. And yeah. And this is just one of his best bass lines ever for Marathon. It's just driving the song. Yeah. This brings back memories of our first show, Joe. We're going to get to that later. Yeah. But this was basically the set list we saw mm-hmm. on our first show, give or take a few songs, and brings back great memories, really. It does. So why don't we turn the page to the next track, Jer, on a show of hands. Turn the page. How was that? <laughs> Strained, but I'll allow it. Looking So this one is from the show in New Orleans, Louisiana in 1988 on the Hold Your Fire Tour. So we're in a different show here and you can't even tell. No, that's what I love about it, right? It's, it's like a seamless show. It's a seamless show. And uh, this is one of my favorite songs on Hold Your Fire. I'm so glad they played it on this tour and I'm really glad that it ended up on this album. And, and again, the bass line is iconic. This is an amazing Getty bass line. It is. And I hate to, hate to bring up Alex again. I hate to dip into the cup so soon, but he's like dive bombing in this song. Oh yeah. The, the sounds he's getting. It's um, there's just so, so great. Great here. Okay. Hold on. Yeah. Pull a rabbit out of the hat there. Consummate. Yes. It's a consummate solo. How about that? <laughs> but, but it, that's the thing. I mean, they add so much to these songs live. It's just incredible. Yeah. It really, the song is, is, it's like bombastic in places. It's just so thrilling mm-hmm. to hear it. I, 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 listening to this, I can't, I, I don't know why people don't like the Hold Your Fire ear. If you listen to a song like this. I was just about to say, we have a lot of listeners who jumped off the bandwagon after Signals mm-hmm. and probably never heard this live album because a lot of it is Power Windows. It's Hold Your Fire. It's Grace Under Pressure. All the albums that they don't like. I defy people to listen to this live album and tell me this is not fantastic. You defy them. I defy them. Yikes. Throwing the gauntlet down. Chuck, I'm talking to you. Chuck, listen to this album. It's great. <laughs> I defy Chuck to tell me this is not good. Seriously. I love Chuck. Yeah. We convinced him sort of before. So yeah, Chuck, take a listen, fire this up on Spotify and then email us and tell us you don't like it. I don't think you'll be able to do it. I don't think you can do it. Nope. Let's move on to track six on a show of hands, Jer. Manhattan Project.
So now we're in Phoenix, Arizona, Joe, on the Hold Your Fire tour. Yeah, it's, the air is dry. And again, it's amazing that all these songs sound like they're from the same show, but they're all from different shows. Yeah, very well mixed. Yeah, and this is one of two songs from that Phoenix show, and you can see why, because, I mean, this is just a fantastic version. Yeah. And particularly Getty's vocals on this. I mean, he captures the emotion of the song so perfectly. Yeah, there's a couple of points where he doesn't, doesn't hit the high notes exactly. But I'm just talking about the emotion of it. When he says flying out of the shockwave, I mean, he's really feeling it, you know, and yeah, letting us feel it. Yeah. And, and you know, Neil liked to say that Rush perfected a lot of these songs that they recorded in the studio. They perfected them live. Right. And this is just another example of that where the studio version is great, but this version is perfection. It is. It is. I mean, and did we see them play Manhattan Project again until R40? Or was it, they didn't play it again until Clockwork Angels? I don't remember. I don't remember. But they did play it again in a later tour. I don't remember which one it was. It must have been Clockwork Angels because I remember we were psyched about uh, the, the, the string section how great it was going to sound with the string section. Oh, right, right, right. And it, it did sound great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just fantastic. There's so many. We could, we could do a whole episode on songs we wanted to see them play with the string section. Uh, yeah, that's true. Should I write that down on the list? Yeah, of, write that down on the list. Oh, hold on. Let me do that. <laughs> okay. Let's move on to track seven on a show of hands, Jar. It is Mission. This is a song that gets a lot of flack from fans, and I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts off really slow. True. Right? In the, with the keyboards. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to defy anyone listening to consider that breakdown at the end, uh, after the solo or whatever, when they're all going yeah. crazy pants. stack that up against any other type of crazy jam that they've done on any other song it is fantastic and the, you know it's great because after it's done the crowd just explodes yeah because it was so so amazing to watch except all those people that don't like hold your fire in the bathroom and they missed it they missed it they missed it look what you missed those people look what you missed so good. This was recorded in San Diego, California. So it's another different show. And Neil's drumming just stood out for me on this one. It's just outstanding. Should I, should I get the adjective? You want to pull out an adjective for Neil's drumming? Go ahead. Yeah, Let's okay. do it. You don't like my adjectives. I can tell. <laughs> we just use the same ones over again. Stupefying. His drumming is stupefying. Really it's is. It's true. It is, it is. This is a good idea. I don't, I don't have these words in my vocabulary, Jar. I know, I'm loving this cup. And, and again, Getty's voice on this particular track, I mean, this whole show is just amazing. I mean, when he gets into its cold comfort to the ones without it, you mm. know how they struggle, that whole thing. I mean, so emotional. It is. Makes me want to cry. I also like the ending where it's just that, that one note mm-hmm. that rings out for a little bit and then it kind of, you know, ends. That's yep. a good ending. Yeah. It's a good ending to a song. Love it. Love it. Another one I love is track eight, Jar. One of your favorites, Distant Early Warning. Revolving doors, we need someone to talk. 
Back to Birmingham, UK, Hold Your Fire Tour. This version is very true to the studio version for me, which isn't a bad thing. Nope. And as we said on a couple of these other tracks, Alex is doing so much to fill the space. I know. He's really uh, carrying the workload. Yeah. In a lot of places. Yeah. A lot of the songs from the 80s records, he's missing, but he's not missing live ever. No, never. Never, ever. Never, ever, Steve. They, they can't lower him in the mix live, Jerry. No, they can't. He, <laughs> he demands to be heard. Yeah. His genius demands to be heard. Why don't you pull something out of, out of the cup? His solo was, oh. was really good. His solo was? <laughs> his solo was superlative. That is true. Very true. Very true. Amazing solo. And this is one of those songs that I always look forward to hearing live just because it was one of Rush's best. Yeah, when you heard the, the beginning, I don't even want to, what you want to call it, the beginning noise. Mm-hmm. Sort of, it's sort of like the beginning of subdivisions. When you hear it, yep. you're just like, yes. And then when they have that, whatever that static kind of noise is at the beginning, everybody recognizes what's coming. Mm-hmm. And at the end, Getty's bass is just perfection. Yeah. This is really getting me nostalgic, Jar. I know. I miss seeing Rush live. I know. It really was because I, you know, I do like the first two live albums, but we didn't see those songs mm-hmm. performed, but we you know we saw these tours. So it was like being there again. I mean, how many shows did we see between 1986 and 1989? Probably like 10 or 12. Yeah, maybe. I guess so. We went to every show in our area, every single one Yeah, that we could possibly drive to. And speaking of that, we're going to track nine on a show of hands, Jar Mystic Rhythms. This one's special because you know where this was recorded, right? The Brendan Byrne Arena. The Brendan Byrne Arena Power Windows Tour, 1986. Now, it doesn't say which show. There were two shows. There was March 31st, 1986 and April 1st, 1986. We were there on March 31st. That was our first ever Rush show. And I like to think this was recorded at our first show. For some reason, I thought it was Witch Hunt. The next song, which was also recorded at the Brendan Byrne Arena, was the one from our show. Well, both of them could have been from our show. They were both recorded at the Brendan Byrne Arena. One was recorded one night and one was recorded the other. Is that true? Do you have the dates? It isn't. I could have sworn I read it somewhere. We'll claim both of them. We're going to claim both of them. We were there for both of these recordings. I can hear you <laughs> screaming, Jer. Yeah. On Alex's side. Yes. We had seats right next to the stage. It actually says on our tickets, rear section. Yep. So we were literally on the side of the stage and we could see Neil perfectly. I know. And Alex. And Alex. Those might've been the best seats we ever had to see Rush. Oh, absolutely. Other than the ones that we got front center, Mm -hmm. like in the first section, those were some of the best. And again, I, I love Neil's drum sound here. And Alex again, shines on this whole CD. Let's go back to the cup. Alex, his playing is immaculate. That is true. <laughs> it is. It is immaculate. It is. It's crazy. It is. It really is. So you mentioned Witch Hunt. That's the next track on a show of hands.
again, this is recorded at the Meadowlands 1986. We were there. Maybe. Do you remember <laughs> seeing Witch Hunt for the first time? What were your yes. thoughts? This was the first time you were ever hearing this song, right? Yes. I mean, I was just agog the whole night, and this was just one of those songs that I was like, what kind of song is this? Like, who, what band plays a song like this? It was, right. It just seemed in, impossible that someone could write a song like that. And this is one of those songs I was talking about. It was meant to be a production number yeah. when they recorded it for moving pictures. And they had to get the technology to do this live before they could perform it live. Yeah. So I'm not sure if this was the first tour they performed. I think they played it on the Grace Under Pressure tour as well. Maybe. We weren't there Someone for that. will let us know. I wasn't there for that. But you know what I love about this song in particular is Alex with his chucka chucka. Like yeah. what he's doing. I wrote down the same thing. His riffs on this song yeah. are incredible. I know. I mean, he adds so much to every single song on this album. It's, it's nuts. I, I kind of forgot, you know, that sound that he was doing during the, during the verses, mm-hmm. you know, that, like that, like I said, that chucka chucka sound. Right. Sounds so, so crunchy and so, oh, wait, going dipping in. Dip in. Oh, that's a terrible word. Okay. Oh, come on. Read it. It's a, for some reason, this word is calithumpian. <laughs> that's the best one yet. It means a noisy, boisterous band or parade. I think Alex <laughs> would think that's the best one. Calithumpian? Yeah. If Alex were to pick the word, he would have chose that one. <laughs> it's definitely a calithumpian song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- this next section of the album is kind of Calithumpian too. The rhythm method. Yes. Neil's drum solo recorded in Birmingham, England. Now, this is a standalone track on the CD, Jer, mm-hmm. unlike on Exit Stage Left and All the World's a Stage, where it was kind of embedded within a song. Mm-hmm. Neil's got this track all to himself. It's Neil. Yep. It's the Neil show. Getty and Alex taking a break. When does Neil get to take a break? He got to take a break later on when Alex and and Getty did acoustic numbers. Right, but but on this tour, they didn't. So Neil didn't get a break. He did not get a break. And after the show, he was probably, you know, riding his bike to the next place. <laughs> I guess that's what Getty and Alex probably said. Look, you're not going to meet the fans after the show. We get a break during the show. And yeah. you can go home yeah. after the show. It's a trade-off. <laughs> and again, you can see the progression. You can hear certain parts of the drum solo that had been played earlier. But again a different level, a different kind of structure, and mm-hmm. definitely the new kit, right? The wraparound kit. Yep. When you hear that music. Yeah. My daughter's had a had a little, uh, it was like a magic wand, like a fairy wand that came with something. And when you press the button, it made that sound. Really? A twinkly sound. Yeah. It, every time I did it, I thought of, I thought of rush shows. <laughs> it made that same twinkling sound. And you thought, wow, the drum set's going to start spinning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, um, I could be mistaken, but this is where he really started playing all of those cool electronic sounds, right? Yeah. Yeah. The samples came in right around here. And well, right. this is the first time we were seeing rush, but this is the first time everybody was seeing this drum solo. And he just, again, you can hear aspects of this drum solo on later drum solos, mm-hmm. but just fleshed out more. Yeah. Like he really, really, later on, he really used all those electronic drums and samples to perfection. Not that he's not doing it here, but it just builds on what he's doing here. He just got better and better and better as the years went on. Yep. Neil was amazing. Track 12 on a show of hands, Jar is Force 10. Man, 
Another track from Hold Your Fire. This one's from Phoenix, Arizona, Hold Your Fire Tour, of course. And another song that's kind of true to the studio version for me. Yep. What do you think? I, I mean, the whole album is great. I love this song. And I, I, it's, I don't know. What, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dipping in again. I always love seeing this song live. You know, the video of the sheep and the tornado in the background was cool. Yeah. But Alex's solos here is not long. It's short and kind of emotional. Yeah. Kind of like he's in the eye of the storm. What's the word do you have for the solo, Jer? Well, the word I picked out is roisterous. Yeah, I would say it was roisterous. That's the word I was looking for. To engage in <laughs> noisy revelry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good Definitely one. Definitely, ro- the whole song is roisterous. Are we going to do this every podcast for the rest of our podcasting careers? I hope not. I don't think so. No, just for this one. <laughs> I wanted to break it up a little bit. No, it's funny. I just think it might get old. That's all. It's going to get real old real soon, if it hasn't already gotten very old. I love the ending of this song, too. Yeah. You know, tough times demand tough talk. And then whatever that noise is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that machine noise. Mm-hmm. That machine noise sounds like gears. Yep. All right, let's move on. We've got three more tracks to go. Time stands still. To my face, the Close my eyes. Let my defenses down. All the things that I can't get around I let my thoughts go too fast No time to pause Me and Mark it's slow it all down Like some captain who ship on the ground I did wait until the day comes around Back in Birmingham, Jer, for the rest of the show, the last three songs were recorded in Birmingham. Eight songs total. Getty's vocals, again, on this are outstanding. Yeah. Um, what surprised me, I guess it really didn't surprise me, but this, this song got quite a crowd reaction. People love Time Stands Still. People love it, even back then when it, was, when it was brand new. What do you think about this, Jer? Why did Amy Mann never join Rush on stage? To perform this song? Probably because she only has that one line, really. Do you think they never asked her? Do you think they asked her and she said no? Do you think it never came up? I just think it would have been cool. I don't know where she lives, but whatever her hometown is, if she lived in New York City, let's say, when they played the garden, why wouldn't Getty say, hey, Amy, come on by? And that would have been amazing. That would have been awesome, don't you think? Yeah. I don't know. I can't answer that question, Steve. I can make up answers for it, but I can't answer it for real. Pull something out of the mug. <laughs> the reason why <laughs> I think that would have been a cool thing that's all no it definitely would have been great but maybe it just wasn't worth I don't know comfort for one line or maybe or maybe the guys didn't really know her maybe it was just you know kind of like hiring a studio musician yeah they hired her to do the job she did it and that was the end of it they never spoke again not all Canadians know each other Steve is she Canadian see I didn't even know that isn't she Canadian I don't know. Oh boy. Am I going to have to look that up right now? <laughs> I could be wrong. Look, you could be right. I could be wrong. I don't know. Do you think that's the reason they chose her? Cause she was Canadian. No, we went over that, right? Yeah, we went over that. You're going to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. Look it up. No, she's American. You can cut that out. <laughs> I know she's married to Michael Penn. That's true. He's also not Canadian though. He's not Canadian. Let's move on before we mention other people who are not Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) Track 14 on a show of hands is Red Sector A. Another example of the live version being better than the studio version, I think, Jerry. 
That's fantastic. This is one of those songs that, that Getty, Alex, and Neil would talk about when they said, hey, we're doing this song better now than we ever did. Yeah, definitely. And what's going on? I, I forget the exactly what's going on on stage with the lights and the, and the video because people are really responding to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about this. Howard Ungerleader is at top form during this song. Yeah. He's playing those lights like a crazy man. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. So much emotion in Getty's voice, so much power in the musicianship of all three of them. That's true. You feel the emotion of this song more in the live version than you do in the studio version, which was great as well. Yeah, it's hard to imagine because the studio version is so, I love the studio version, and but this one is just explodes. Yeah. And like we said, when we were talking about Grace Under Pressure, I mean, the keyboards are sharp and cutting and you can, you can feel it. Yeah. I think I have to put this over Exit Stage Left. I think I have to put this album over Exit Stage Left. I'm doing it right really? now. Yeah. You're doing it right now. I'm going to do it right now. I love Exit Stage Left, but this album is great. It is great. It's so close. Yep. So what do you say we wrap up this album, Jer? One last track, and it's a good one. Closer to the heart. Again, we've got the crowd at the open. I love the reaction when the song starts. Yeah, it's interesting that they put the song on there, isn't it? Why? Because it was on Exit Stage Left? Yeah. It's the only one, right, that they did twice? Yeah, but I just think this is almost a must for this album. I mean, it's listen to this song. It's so great. I know. It, it might be better than the Exit Stage Left version, which we talked about being unbelievable. Right. Seriously. I know. I know. Alex's guitar sound is, you're going to have to pull something out of the hat there and tell us what it okay, is. Okay, okay. And okay, let's get the crowd sing along again is fantastic. And Getty's bass solo is unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. It is in a word, portentous. Portentous, yeah. That is el- eliciting amazement or wonder. Yeah. I mean, that's the solo. And it's the perfect ending to a perfect live album, in my opinion. I agree, Steve. I agree. Because it would be a great uh, concert ending song. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So you mentioned that they may not have, maybe they shouldn't have included Closer to the Heart in this because it was an exit stage left. Should they have? I mean, the thing that's missing from this show is Tom Sawyer. I mean, Rush played Tom Sawyer at every show. They didn't include it on this album. Why do you think they didn't? I don't know. I would have loved to have heard territories, but what are you going to do? Well, and they, and they played territories on this tour, I believe. Right. Yeah. And they didn't include it. They didn't. I don't know why. I mean, obviously you can't fault them for putting closer to the heart on it. It's such a great song. And of course, like you said, the sing-along part. Yep. So we mentioned the video that came out in 2006. I'm going to give you the set list from the video, which is a little different than this album. Okay. So we've got the intro, the big money, marathon, turn the page. We've got prime mover, which is not on this record. Manhattan project, closer to the heart, red sector, a force 10 lock and key. Oh, wow. Which was only on the initial laser disc. So (laughs) if you've got the DVD, you don't get lock and key. You got to pull out your laser disc player for that one. I would love to see someone send us a, a picture of their laser disc version of this concert. <laughs> Ray's probably got it. Yeah, the six months that laser discs were big. Yep. Uh, then we've got Mission, Territories, as you mentioned, YYZ, which is also on not on this record. We've got the Rhythm Method, the Spirit of Radio, Tom Sawyer, of course, mm. 
2112 Overture and the Temples of Syrinx, La Villa Strangiato, and In the Mood. Wow. That's a pretty good show. That is a pretty good show. And I'm going to have to pop that video in and watch that this weekend. I think I'm going to do it. All right. I wish I could come over and see it. So along with the video, there was uh, something from Neil Peart written along with the video. Do you want me to read it? It's, it's a little long. Should I read the whole thing or just, or just a portion? Use your best judgment. I'll read a portion of it. For these two nights, the gods smile, the ears and eyes of technology open to capture the responses of the audience and the players to the music, to the atmosphere, to each other. The panorama of faces alone mirrors a novel's worth of expression and emotion, intense, playful, concentrated, abandoned, pained, laughing, serious, and downright silly. Shifting beams of colored light animate the stage and follow the player's every move, while the audience is picked out in tinted pools, a sea of shining faces. Cartoon backdrops spring to life behind the band, then leap out to fill the screen. Lasers slash and stab at the darkness. A filament of shared tension and release connects the musicians, the audience, the music. And the film becomes not just a concert, but a symbol for the band and a scrapbook, an autobiography, an era frozen in glacial clarity. For the audience, it can be an enduring souvenir. And if it can't quite capture what it was like to be there, it is a way of seeing through many pairs of eyes, of shifting one's vantage point around and above the players in a way no mortal could. Hands perform and hands respond. Hands gesture and hands respond. A show of ears and eyes, a show of hearts and minds, a show of hands. Neil Peart. That was great. <laughs> and I only read half of it. Wow. How great is that? That is great. You're, and where was that you said? This was in the uh, liner notes of the video. Oh, man. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. And I found this on, on the Power Windows website, Eric Hansen's site. Very cool, right? Yeah, that is very cool. So your thoughts, Jer? I mean, I know we talked about this over and over. A show of hands. What do you think? Um, it's catapulted over all the world's a stage for me. Great, great album. Has it possibly risen to exit stage left? I don't, I don't know because there's, there's just so much emotional memory tied to exit stage left for me. Yeah. I think it's the same for a lot of people, but, but my emotions are connected to this. Yeah. It definitely brought back, you know, seeing them during this time. Absolutely. It, it just brought the memories flooding back. And I'm going to, I'm going to watch this video now and see if more memories flood back. I'm sure they will. Sure. They will. You can find us on Twitter. We are at rush Fancast. Instagram. We are the Rushcast. email Jerry. Let him know what you thought of our conversation about a show of hands what you thought of our conversations about all the live albums. There are a lot more live albums to do, Jer. Should we do more? That's a good question. Maybe people can tell us how they like the, uh, the cup of adjectives. The cup of adjectives. Should we do that again? <laughs> the rushcast at gmail.com is the email address. The bass intro and outro was done by Lex. He did a fabulous job. We thank Lex as always for helping us out on the podcast. And Jer, what you got for a quote? Well, I'm going to quote the only song on this album that's also on a previous live album. Okay. Closer to the heart. Great. You can be the captain, and I will draw the chart, sailing into destiny, closer to the heart. Thanks, Jer. Thank you, Steve. Take it easy. Take it easy.